Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. My name is Ben Smith. Allow me to introduce my co-host, the Rudolph to my dasher, Curtis Wister. How are you doing today, Curtis? All right. I'm doing well, Ben. I don't know how you timed that one, but we got the first snow of the year today. So that was pretty good with the intro. Yes. And and I know Rudolph had a rough start. So this isn't uh, <laughs> corresponding anything here about, you know. Sorry. All the boys and girls wouldn't play with Rudolph. Sorry, I, perse- I, I hero, persevere, right? right? I persevere. Yeah. I'll get through it. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Curtis, I know it's we're talking snow and a little bit of the holiday season here. Mm. But, of course, one of our favorite charitable events that we support each year yep. during the good weather yep. uh, is the Energy for Life Golf Scramble. That's right. And that happened on this year. Actually, it's on October 4th. But we've we've done that every year, and we we like to golf, and we can support some charity along the way. Kind mm-hmm. of a win win for everybody. But for our longtime listeners to our show, they may recall the episode number three where we interviewed Susan Ware Page right. about her family heating oil business and transitioning from generation to generation. As part of the show, she discussed how her family, the Ware family, owners of Maritime Energy, started the Energy for Life program to help local families dealing with cancer. Energy for Life was started by the late Karen Ware, uh, her daughter, Susan, and uh, the third generation of Maritime, Susan Page, and and the Ware family. Mm-hmm. So Susan's quote, which she told us in the episode, was uh, that her mom had the zest for life, which yep. is why she had energy for life, which I was kind of thinking of the heat o- heating list. I know. Right? I, re- like, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, geez, energy for life. That makes a lot of sense from a heating oil company. <laughs> she says, no, it was all about how the zest for life from her mom That's and right. that she wanted to help others and help find cures. So hopefully one day other families wouldn't have to experience what she did. It was important for us, as what Susan continues to say, to show our support for the people who are fighting this horrible disease and in memory of the ones near and dear to our hearts who we have lost. So each year, hundreds of golfers come together to support the Energy for Life charity uh, golf scramble. And this year, our next guest was speaking to the group on behalf of the Maine Cancer Foundation. He painted a picture of how cancer is impacting the state of Maine but how the dollars raised locally are helping our families, friends, neighbors, and communities. Mm -hmm. We ran up to him after his talk and introduced our podcast and how Maine in particular is impacted by, by cancer. And we wanted to kind of especially hear about how, when personally we're diagnosed with cancer, how do we kind of, what are the first steps? What Mm -hmm. do we do next? So Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that was our, our, ask of this next guest. We're pretty excited. He said yes and agreed to come on our show. So that's what we're going to discuss today. That's right. That's right. Uh, so as you said, Ben, uh, we actually kind of met our, our next guest back in October. Um, so a little background on him. So he actually earned a degree in criminal justice from St. Joseph's College of Maine, uh, began, uh, began working as a beat cop in Portland in 2005. He was 21 and worked the swing shift in Portland's East End, patrolling Munjoy Hill and the nearby areas from mid-afternoon until the early morning hours. Um, and in 2011, he was actually named Officer of the Year, which is incredible. Um, and then in 2012, as- after much hand-wringing, uh, made the leap from the police department to manage the Boys and Girls Clubs of South Portland. He kind of said, I started spending so much time there, it bled into my personal life. I thought I could make a more positive change day to day doing proactive work than reactive work. So the relationships he made and the people he worked with made the experience some of the best years of his life, he said. In 2016, he moved on from the South Portland Clubhouse and managed the Ronald McDonald House in Portland, which offers housing uh, near hospitals to families whose children need medical care. It was a quieter environment, but one that still focused on helping families and children. In 2018, he joined the Maine Cancer Foundation, first as the community outreach manager and the director of development, and now 
we're thrilled to announce that he is the executive director of the uh, Maine Cancer Foundation. So he's just as easily found in Aroostook County as he is in Cumberland. He's an avid outdoorsman uh, studying to become a registered Maine guide. It's not uncommon for him to forego a hotel room for his tent while on the road for the Maine Cancer Foundation. So our next guest uh, currently lives in Portland with his wife and two daughters. So with that, please welcome Ray Ruby to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Ray, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Uh, thank you guys so much. That is uh, quite the quite the introduction. <laughs> I, I really appreciate it. it. Makes you stop and think a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. Appreciate that. Well, well, Ray. I know. Again, we we want to talk a lot about the mm-hmm. Cancer Foundation and what's happening yeah. on the on the scene in cancer in Maine. It's always helpful to hear about you. And I know we gave you the read in terms of the bio there, mm-hmm. but I'm going to out you because uh, I'm going <laughs> to you know, obviously you're not from Maine, right? So tell yep. us how a kid from Connecticut yeah. goes from being a police officer in Portland to a nonprofit helping kids, then another nonprofit assisting families <laughs> impacted by cancer in Maine. I can see where there's a, there's some twists and turns there. So looking backwards, tell us about that story and what's been your why? Well, I mean, you touched on the outdoorsman piece of it. There's that famous quote, not all who wander are lost. Um, Mm -hmm. And so as you talk about my career path, I always say it's like a switchback, not really much of a path. And that's okay. Uh, It's something I used to tell kids at the Boys and Girls Club. You don't have to do one thing forever. And as life gives you opportunities, you you either seize them or, you know, you don't or um, so, you know, for me, Maine has always been near and dear to my heart. Every summer we came up to Old Orchard Beach, spent mm-hmm. a week there, did my school shopping in Kittery on the way home. Um, but my mom and, and my, uh, my family is from, from Maine. And so my grandparents are from, um, my mama and papa are from Northern Maine, uh, first Canada, then Northern Maine. And then they made their way down to Connecticut to open up a tree cutting business. Uh, my mm-hmm. papa worked in the woods and it was an opportunity. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, um, <laughs> connections from Northern Maine to Connecticut. And a lot of it had to do with economic growth at the time. So, mm-hmm. My thought process when picking a college was, well, let me let me go back to the family roots, even though I'm not from here and <laughs> never officially will be. But my my wife is, and both my daughters are, so I'm the, and my dog. Uh, so I'm the only one in the house who's not an official Mainer. Um, but that's okay because I feel like I treat the state like a, a, a tourist in some ways, um, and I'm not afraid uh, to try the local spot that everyone goes to and the ones that nobody goes to in different communities and, and the people who live there uh, only go to. So, so yeah, Maine is, um, Maine is, is just something that, uh, you know, it's, it's a place that we will never leave. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's been opportunities and um, that is just never going to happen. So when we talk about retirement stuff later and people talk about moving to Florida, <laughs> I'm not that guy. Uh, <laughs> you guys don't have to worry about that advice for me. And, and again, my career path, just to go back, is yeah, I wanted to be a police officer. There was no cops in my family. It was just something different. I wanted to, to, to be around people and, and to have an impact on my local community. And then as a being a police officer in Portland and, and really enjoying my time there, I mostly enjoyed the time in between calls when I would sneak into the schools and talk to the kids or come into my days off and, you know, read books or coach a team. And so I was able to start a lot of youth programs to try to improve the relationships between youth and police officers in Portland. And then unfortunately, because they, the, the department thought it was such a great idea and saw so much momentum happening, they made me do it full time. And then it backfired because then I fell in love with the organizations I was working with. <laughs> And so that's what started with the Boys and Girls Club. I, I turned around and said, where are all these kids? How come they're all hanging on the streets uh, mm-hmm. these weeks? And I quickly mm-hmm. found out, well, these are the weeks the clubs are closed for cleaning and for maintenance. I'm like, well, wait a second. So they're somewhere safe and in a good place when they're open. And, and then there's another place around the corner. And then, then there's this place. And so that's when I started to realize, well, these folks are doing this amazing proactive work every day. Most of the time I'm showing up after the fact, not always, but most of the time mm-hmm. kind of want to do more of that other stuff where, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, I could be more a part of the, the solution instead of just sometimes cleaning up the mess. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, made the leap um, just 10 years ago, last August, it's been 10 mm-hmm. years, which is crazy. And so, and then the nonprofit world, uh, I've been blessed to work for some great places 
you know, the Ronald McDonald house in Portland is, uh, will always be near and dear to my heart. And it, it honestly taught me how to be a dad and, and, a, and a parent. And in so many ways, I learned from so many parents from around the state um, and around the world, actually, who were here in Portland receiving care. But what it also told me, too, is that I didn't want my work just to be in the community that I happened to reside in, because like we talked about, the whole state means means a lot to all of us. If I could mix both worlds and, and then also now work for an organization that's statewide, sign me up. And that's where I ended up at MCF. All right. And, and so so obviously here you are at Maine Cancer Foundation. Can we just or can you just kind of talk about in general or specific if you want to go down there? Um, kind of why does the Maine Cancer Foundation exist? Yeah, you know, uh, we're all friends here, so <laughs> I'm sure people listening the same way. Is you know, Maine doesn't always fall on the top of the list for a lot of folks, especially nationally at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you all know fairly well, and I've got relatives in rural parts of the state. Sometimes you got to kind of take care of each other, yeah. um, yeah. and uh, and Mainers are really used to that. Um, unfortunately, they have to be sometimes, and so. Why does MCF exist? Well, originally, we wanted to do our part in the research world, you know, and who who doesn't? Who doesn't want to look at this big picture problem, which is cancer, and play in a role in, in eliminating it? And so we did for many years. But what we learned over time, and though research is extremely important, it doesn't necessarily help folks right now. Yeah. Um, and that's where some of the greatest needs are right now. I mean, we're seeing it more than ever. Some of our partners have been saying it. I've never heard this in five years of just being like, hey, can we just focus on what's in front of us at the moment? Because it's not good. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Maine Cancer, Founda- Maine Cancer Foundation does. We're an independent organization. We do not rely on federal money. We do not rely on state money. We rely on incredible people like Maritime Energy and the other folks across the state who donate to us, who participate in events, who raise money for us, because that gives us the opportunity to be an independent um, foundation, a real community foundation who looks around the state, talks to our partners who are experts in, in these fields, and we react to the needs each year. Um, and they change. And so we could be flexible, um, you know, we could be nimble in that way. Um, and so we always say we're an organization that's there to fill the gaps. And each year, sometimes they're different. And then, you know, we'll touch on a little bit transportation and lodging. Mm-hmm. That gap is just not going anywhere. And so we have to keep going at it each year. Um, but that might not be the same thing for, say, colon cancer, depending on money that's coming into the state, you know, federally or, or whatnot um, for other groups. So we kind of talk to our partners and look at where can we have the most impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so Back in 2015, we shifted our focus um, from solely research to more a programmatic approach, focused on three main areas, cancer prevention, cancer detection, and then access to care, trying to improve patient outcomes. And so that's where the majority of the money that we invest each year goes. It's not the whole picture, but that's, you know, closer to the complete picture each year in those kind of three buckets. Gotcha. So, Ray, I think that that does a really great job summarizing, I think, where Maine Cancer Foundation is. And um, I I know, obviously, we, we... you have a very new role to you in terms of being the newly named executive director of the Maine Cancer Foundation. Love to hear in terms of what is your role there in terms yeah. of executive director versus maybe development director and the community outreach part. How is that that different from a day-to-day perspective? But also want to hear a little bit about, I know you've talked about, hey, those three areas of the things that you're looking to do. Love to hear maybe a couple of impactful stories of things that Maine Cancer Foundation has uh, done last five years. I think that would be helpful for uh, let's let's kind of uh, bridge that gap to locally. Yeah. How are you helping us, Ray? Yeah. So I think you know it, it's when I was first brought on as a kind of a community outreach person. The reason why I was brought on at that time was because a lot of good was happening. A lot of money was being raised. And a lot of money was being invested. But people in the office were so busy doing both things that there was nobody out in the community saying, hey, yeah. hey by the way, uh, we're here to help. And we're Maine Kids Foundation. We're not that other organization or this organization. And if you're not in it and dealing with this day to day, of course, you confuse th- those organizations. And that's fine. So my goal was to go out there and, and, and kind of educate people 
what we're doing, what we're trying to do, and also make sure that they realize that we're not telling people what's good for them in their community. We're also there to listen and also learn you know, what they think is best for their community. And because we all know that we all know those people who come into town, mm-hmm. no matter where you are, tell yeah. you what's good for you, what could be better, and then they leave. Yeah. That is not us. Um, the goal is to be is to be a partner. And, and if we did show up and listen, what do we what are we going to do afterwards? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and how are we going to work together? And, and so that's where the first year when I showed up at Maine Cancer Foundation, I made it a point to spend time in all 16 counties. And I've been to all of them back more than several times. Um, as we joked about at the beginning, you know, what better way to know a community than instead of, you know, flying in, flying out is, you know, pitch a tent at the local campsite. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you, have a few beers around the campfire. Yeah. I've got young kids. It's also a night away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Susan and them got a kick out of not this year, but last year when I came up for the golf tournament, she asked me to speak at the, the Rotary Club, um, the local Rotary Club the next morning. I'm like, well, I went to Camden Hills. Yeah. <laughs> make some dinner, had a few beers. I used my glass from the golf tournament. I sent him a photo with my feet up by the fire, uh, you know, woke up in the morning, went hiking. I mean, these communities, the way I look at it is folks, a lot of folks choose to live in these communities for many different reasons. They've been raised there. They're absolutely beautiful. You shouldn't have to sacrifice the best access to care based off of where you decide to live or where you were born. And so, I mean, we all know how pretty Maine is and it's got a million different faces and no one is better than the other. And so, you know, for me, it's always just great to go into these communities and spend time in them. And, and then when I'm there, it's been nice to actually, you know, I, I always think of a funny story in Skowhegan one time I was up there for an event and, you know, our office happens to be here in Falmouth. It's our kind of just a home base. And so the joke started to kick in. Oh, you know, you guys are pretty much based in Boston and, you know, <laughs> you know I, got, I got all the teasing. Well, then I was able to turn around and say, well, just so you know, we invested about $120,000 in your hospital in the last couple of years. Then also we worked with that local hospice group and then the transportation. Um, these are two partners that we've worked with. And all of a sudden, everyone stopped joking. And, yeah. you know, and again, it was all lighthearted. It was good stuff. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's important for me to show and, and, and actually explain that, yeah, we are invested in your community. Mm-hmm. Jokes and all. I, mm-hmm. I get it. And so it's just it's, so it's important to, to, to be there in person and, and, and to come on a regular basis. I know I'm supposed to go up to Bangor in January and I'm like, geez, that's two months away. I, I, I should be going up before then again. And so it's just being more strategic about um, about that. So that's kind of that community piece of it to jump into the impactful you know, side of things. I know you guys are numbers, guys, and we could do this, you know. <laughs> All day, but we we're we're pretty proud after the last um, after the last round of grants that we've given out just since 2015. Your local Maine Cancer Foundation has now invested over 16 million dollars through the state in the last seven years. Yeah. 16 million dollars nice. in all 16 counties. That's a hundred different organizations we've worked with. So you talk about community partners, and you're talking it, it's it's close to 300 grants. Yeah, mm, you know? that's incredible. And we've changed things. We shifted things from one year grants to two two year grants because we heard from our partners that you know it's a lot to to kind of put, put this words on paper sometimes when you're doing good work. And so yeah. that's this is how we operate. Yesterday, one of our grantees called. We pick up the phone. We talk to them. We answer their questions and move on to the next so they can deal what they need to deal with. And mm-hmm. so. There's real people that work here um, because there's real people in the communities and that's how they should, you know, that's the kind of service they should get from their, their, their cancer foundation. Absolutely. No, I love that. And, and thank you so much for kind of sharing all of that in detail with us and our listeners. So I want to kind of keep going here in our show and, and kind of specifically talk about really what's happening with cancer in the state of Maine and, and for the sake of our show, kind of what happens after we've been diagnosed, right? So mm-hmm. Can you just kind of help us understand uh, from the start here, what is going on in the state of Maine around cancer uh, statistics, right? How is our state doing relative to New England or maybe the rest of the country? And are there cancers that are more prevalent in our prop- population and maybe why or why not? Um, so if you could just kind of give us some some kind yeah. of foundational info here. Yeah, ha- um, you know, happy to. You know, I think one of those heart disease is is bad and we always hear that you know leading cause of death in the country well it's it it, and it is significant here in maine but it's actually not the leading cause of death for mainers Mm -hmm. cancer is Mm -hmm. so that's 
the first red flag. You know, Maine is, you know, one of the worst when it comes to New England states. We have the highest rates, you know, in, in, in New England. And the biggest driver of that is lung cancer. So mm. when you talk about that specific cancer that moves that uh, figure to the top, it's lung cancer here in Maine. And then the quickest and easiest way to um, explain that would be smoking. Sure. And, and so, I mean, there are other factors, but, you know, if we're talking about the top cancers, um, top cause of death here in Maine and the, and the top um, reason why those are boom, boom, and boom. And uh, unfortunately, um, you know, when we've seen good things happen, then a pandemic hits. Yeah. And so, you know, lately there's been some great numbers that have been floating around out there, but they all kind of stop around 2019. So we haven't seen the effects yet of what the pandemic has caused for, you know, delays in screenings. It didn't increase smoking rates. Has it increased unhealthy bad habits? These are all things that we're going to find out statistically here soon um, that could paint a completely different picture than we thought where we saw some improvements over the last few years. Is it going to send it in a different direction? So we don't know. And I don't want to say it's bad or good, but, you know, we've heard enough stories now where people have put off screenings and and whatnot and and, and treatment because of the pandemic. And uh, and we just don't know yet what those um, outcomes are going to be. But unfortunately, um, they're probably not going to be good. So a big part of these investments that we've talked about. You know, last year, we've made some major, major investments around um, getting people back in and screened. So working with partners to extend hours and services and hire staff to get people back in backlogs of screenings, get them in, you know, because we could sit here and Ben, you know, I talked about this in the past. We could sit here and preach all day, get in there, get screened. But if you can't get in for an appointment for 12 months, then that's, you know, you're trying to do your part, but that's a problem. And so... Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll talk about being an advocate for yourself later on, but yep. that's just, you know, it's just something that you need to be aware of. And, and so that's, that's a, some hard statistics. When I go around the state and give presentations for people, they're surprised. There's, you know, we all know that cancer has affected all of our families in different ways here in the state, but it's alarming to know it's number one yeah. and, and compared to other places that it just goes to show again, why we have to exist to take care of our communities across the state. Yeah. Right. I think that's really helpful to understand, right, as a backdrop to our conversation, right? Because when you're saying, well, hey, cancer, and I think people hear about it, and it seems like it's pocketed at times, right, as we hear the personal stories from somebody we know, but it's it's tough to understand, well, zoom out a little bit and where everything is. So I think that's that's a really important piece to, to understand. But I want to, you kind of referenced this a little bit about access to healthcare in the state of Maine. Right. If I live in Madawaska versus Old Orchard versus Belgrade, um, I'm going to access healthcare very differently based on where I am. And also, as you kind of said, there's obviously the pandemic has also maybe changed the way that we're accessing healthcare as well. Mm-hmm. So, can you talk about what's happening in the state with healthcare, especially as it relates to cancer and how how to access that? Yeah, I mean, and you know, if you had different doctors across the state would probably talk better about, you know, um, you know, people being able to access, you know, care these days through, you know, telemedicine and how those improvements, we've seen improvements, you know, given the pandemic on services like that. But when you're talking about coming in for treatment, um, yeah, it's different. Um, you know, the state was not created equal in in that way. And, and that's where we try to help. But it doesn't, you know, I, I thought of this on the, on the drive in this morning, because I know you guys got snow, we got a little slush. Yeah. And then it quickly turned to rain. But I remember last year, I took a picture of my front lawn, and it was towards the end of winter, you know, you know, start of spring kind of thing. And we had lost most of our snow in Portland. And it was you could see green grass with a little patch of snow in my in front of my house in Portland. And then I had my father-in-law in Madawaska take a picture of his front yard <laughs> and the, it was almost touching the gutters. Yeah. Right. And I posted both pictures together on LinkedIn and just said, these are the type of barriers you, we don't always think of when yeah. it comes to access to care in the state. So even take providers out of it, weather, yeah. it's the same state. Mm-hmm. We're just six hours away. In one place is a one way to drive down your street because the snow's so high and they have nowhere to put it. And it's almost spring in Portland. And mm-hmm. so there's, yes, there's all kinds of barriers when it comes to access to care, whether you're trying to receive treatment and you've got to drive four hours for that. But then there's other things like weather. And, and you might be the primary care provider to, uh, or I mean, you might be the um, primary caregiver 
to your spouse because of a disability or whatever. And now you need to seek treatment yourself. Things that you, people, they have pets, you know? I mean, just things that you wouldn't even think like that might alter somebody's plan based off of a, of a pet. These are things that I've heard over the years from yeah. some of our partners. And so, so yeah, it's, it's a challenge whether you're driving, you know, if you're somebody who's trying to drive, you know, from Washington County, um, you know, into, into the Bangor Brewery area for, for, for care. Um, but then you throw in some of these other things as well, whether it's rising gas costs. And, and so there's a number of different barriers in our state. And I always say it's a big and beautiful, but it's, it causes a lot of complications at times for people to get the best care possible. Mm. And then, and then when it comes to, again, you know, receiving, you know, treatment, is it, you know, is it somebody who's going in for rounds of, you know, radiation or, or chemotherapy, like what does that look like for a back and forth round trips? Do they have a place to stay? You know, Sarah's house is a great partner of ours in your neck mm -hmm. of the woods yep. who does amazing work. Danny, my coworker was just visiting the other day, you know, and then or as folks who are at home and they're up with challenges, have many challenges and the Christine B Foundation is you might be delivering food and Matt Dexter's has got a wonderful program again in your region. And so there's a lot, it's not just us, these partners who are doing great work. We just try to get behind them and, and give them a, a little bit of a push. But yeah, access to care, you know, in rural parts of the state, you know, not having um, access to a, a number of certain oncologists. Yeah, these are all things that, um, unfortunately, I asked my co my coworker who's from Holton, I said 20 years ago, you know, we talk about all the improvements in med modern medicine and technology and all these things. Is access to care worse now than it was 20 years ago? Than you know when you you know or 30 years ago when you were in Holton? And she said yes. Yeah. Mm. I think it, I think it's actually harder. And it's an interesting way to look at that part of it. And, and Ray, I'll, I'll share with you too, because I know you and I talked about this a uh, little offline was, you know, I, I have a family history of colon cancer myself. And my family has routinely found polyps in their colons during colonoscopies. So, you know, I, I turned 40, so I'm north of 40 right now, and requested a referral for a colonoscopy. So I asked for that and the referral's lost, right? So I check in and where is it? And well, I sent it. The other one didn't receive it. And and then they made another referral to an out-of-network provider, which then I go to the health insurance and it was going to be, I think, like four or five times the cost to me to yep. do it out-of-network versus in-network. So I then had to change the referral again to get to an in-network colonoscopy. It was nine months from when I requested the procedure to my PZP to when I had the procedure. It was many months of advocating, you know, people losing things, people referring to the wrong place, and I just not giving up, and I had to fight to get the procedure, and I'm 10 minutes away, right? I am literally 10 minutes away yeah. from each yeah. of the places I need to go. So I could see where I'm 10 minutes away, and I'm fighting this, and I'm trying to find, you know, again, everybody's very busy and understaffed and all that. I get why access to good health care is important. And again, I, I had a procedure, and, and I did find a polyp, and I'm glad I did it, right? Is, yeah. But even if I didn't have that, right, I would still be happy that I had some peace of mind because of doing that. But I could see where, hey, I don't do something, I just give up. And maybe something was there that was really bad and I didn't take care of it. And then all of a sudden now it's maybe too late. My, I guess my question of that story is that was me here in Brewer, Bangor, Maine. Is that the way healthcare is around the state, the region and the country? Is that just the way we all are dealing right now? You know, I can't speak to other parts of the country. I mean, I can speak to, to parts of Maine and yeah, that's unfortunately at times, you know, and you have to be your own advocate and mm -hmm. and that's and that's tough when we talk about it being a generational thing i'm also turning 40 here soon and we're <laughs> better we're still not great but we're better pushing that pushing mm -hmm. back a little bit you know with our generation the generations above us are not yeah. and especially ones in maine i mean mm -hmm. we can all think yeah. of our relatives in maine who doesn't take much for them to to say okay we'll forget it then yeah and and i don't blame them but it's also tough because you talked about colon cancer it's one of the most treatable cancers when caught early but also it has some high death rates when when not and so it's one of those things and so here you are having to push so hard nine months you know i could very much see somebody else who hit their first roadblock stop you know yep. And I, I get it or or your family member who you're trying to convince because of family history who won't, you know, do it. 
or doesn't want to, um, and then you finally get them to call, and then again, something gets lost. Well, I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, and, that's right. And yeah. that's, that's that's just not right. And so, I mean, we, I we'll talk. I you know we'll touch on patient navigation, but sometimes mm-hmm. when you can link arms with, with a patient navigator, it's kind of like having a personal trainer. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. We all could use a personal trainer in life in some way. Yeah. And and that's kind of what they are like. They kind of your advocate. They're the ones that kind of push things along at times. And when you can work within, whether it's a hospital system or you know a provider that can supply those services, you know it it, it could only help. And that's not just with lining up appointments and whatnot. It might be securing different financial opportunities or looking into different things. And Ben, you nailed it too. Like you got referred to somebody outside of your plan, and that's a nightmare when that happens. Yeah. And so again. If you don't contest that, how many people just pay it because they think right. they have to? And again, I could think of relatives who would just mm-hmm. pay that bill. Yeah. Or, or, so, Ray, or raise, you know, to your point is like you get referred out of network and you go, I can't afford that. Right. Exactly. I, and I, I'm not going to do it because all of a sudden now I can't afford that much. And, yeah. and then if I'm doing it, then I'm taking money away from my family somehow. Or I, I'm making a choice between food on the table um, and feeding my family or yeah. getting this procedure. Yeah. That's that's an impossible choice, right? Yep. No, it's it's and but these are and especially these days, and you guys can speak to this much better than I can. But just the cost of living is yeah. is 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 higher, and so people are making tough decisions. And to think that you would, you know, make a decision that would impact you know your health in this way is, is tough. And so mm-hmm. we are not the solution. We are trying to be a part of it, and we want to help. Um, but it doesn't just take us; it takes others as well. You know, and 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 as you know, as we look out for our family members, for the people who are listening too, it's just you know, it's okay to push them, push them a little bit, because yeah. if you know, we all want to be around for each other, and uh, you know, it's important to take care of yourself if you, if you want to be around, if you want to enjoy retirement, if you want to, you know, gosh, if you actually do want to move to Florida, I don't know why you would want to, but <laughs> if you want to have at it like that's you know that's what we want for you that's what you want (laughs) exactly no that's great um i want to go back a little bit here um with that kind of foundation we laid with about healthcare access and ben's Mm -hmm. kind of question initially can you just talk about why it's important for us to get treatment for cancer as locally as possible yeah i mean i mean there's just a lot of information out there that we've received over time is that you know the best outcomes usually are when folks can be treated the closest to home as possible so think mm-hmm. of your support think of your support networks and I know I sent over to you guys a financial toxicity study that we you know um you know we invested in years back to get a better idea and I was shocked in looking looking at that i I figured yeah it's bad I figured it's bad I know it's bad. It, what the impact it has from you know having a diagnosis, but what I did not take into account was the emotional side of it and how mm-hmm. much that plays. And so we can't discount that. that being within reach of your networks, your support systems do play a large role. Hmm. Um, you know, having a regular, having a you know your your doctors and nurses and people that start to get to know you and get a feel for you and. So it doesn't always happen this way, but, you know, a lot of times when you can get treatment, I mean, and I was talking to somebody at the golf tournament that we were both all at, saying how, you know, they received, they had an operation outside of their community, but then they had their treatment as close to, as possible. So sometimes it's a mix, it's a mix of both. But yeah, I think that is, that, that plays, plays a big role. And in my time at the Ronald McDonald House, I, you know, I saw the impact it had on families who we're not close to those systems over, over time and, and the impact it can have on you and your health and your families. And that can't be lost in this, you know, mix when it just comes to dollars and cents. It, mm. it plays, it plays a big role. And then the p- other piece of it too, is, you know, your survivorship afterwards. You know, I just yeah. talked to, um, I just talked to somebody on Monday night, you know, a breast cancer survivor. And we were just talking about the medication she's on and the impact it has on her health now Yes, she survived breast cancer, but there's there's this whole other chapter, you know, and the side effects from the medication and and then also just the emotional side of it as well. And and so there's this a whole other survivorship piece that I've learned about in the last five years that I was quite naive to. Um, I always mm-hmm. thought you you try to fight this fight and you, and you fight it and you win and then you move on. Yeah. Um, that That is not the case. You know, a lot of times mm-hmm. cancer does come back for folks is a higher percentage afterwards. And so, and it's, you know, when you're going in for your six month scans or whatever it might be, or blood tests, 
Like these are things that weigh on people emotionally. And as we all know, stress and taking care of ourselves then has an impact on our health, which then our health has impact on disease. So again, it's this trickle down yeah. um, effect type of thing. Mm. So, so Ray, uh, you're, you're kind of getting into the, the next area where I want to go is this whole what happens next after I've been diagnosed, right? Because, again, from a personal level, you know, each one of us, right? I'm just thinking about that day because we, yeah. we know there's many of us out there that are getting that heartbreaking news that I'm sorry, but, you, you know, we've di- you've been diagnosed with cancer, right? So what is, what is day one, right? Well, I'm receiving a cancer diagnosis. I just got that call. What are the first things that we need to do on that first day and but also then go forward on what does the first week look like and then the first month i just i think it's helpful for us to know of hey i got the call now what right and i I think that i'd love to hear your response to that yeah i'll say i don't know firsthand and i hope i never do for myself yeah i can't imagine that feeling um talking with other people who have had that conversation they tend not to hear anything else that said that day Um, all they tend to hear is that you have cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can only imagine that everything else is, you just, is, is black. You just don't Mm -hmm. hear anything else. And so, so I think the important thing is, is, is that once, once you have an idea of, of what, you know, your provider is going to offer for a plan, it is kind of reaching out to your support system and folks that might have gone through it and it might have dealt with it in the past and just, and just kind of talking about your options because a lot of times there might be some different options in place. And then, yeah, and just looking at, I think the first thing to do is to just take a deep breath and, and realizing that, you know, there is a lot of good. It is happening still. Um, there is still a lot of improvements. We talked about colon cancer, you know, one of the most treatable things when caught early. You know, we've seen great improvements around breast cancer, though incidents are high, you know, outcomes have become better. Mm. And so there is okay to have a, it's okay to have a little bit of optimism mixed in there but it's also okay to take a moment and just realize that it this might be pretty hard um and you might need to lean on people and so kind of looking at those kind of stakeholders in your life and and kind of sharing that information with them but i think the next big thing is that for that next kind of what i've heard from folks is that that next the big appointment and we've talked about this is so you don't kind of go in dizzy and and, and kind of having that same feeling all over again is writing down questions, questions of your, for yourself, your family. And there's no bad, you know, there's no bad question. And, and, and there's, and so, and there's also a lot of services sometimes that don't get talked about that, you know, you should ask, you know, is there opportunities for financial support? What, you know, do, can I qualify for? What, is there a transportation if needed? Is it lodging if it's needed? If I'm having to go to New York for something, what are some things for, Outside of you know Maine, if I'm going to you know Portland, uh, or if it's such a bad drive, can I fly? Mm-hmm. Like, are there groups? And we work with two of them that um, it's air air transportation services. And so I think that is it's just important to write it down because um, mm-hmm. we've all done it. You know, we have a million things on our brain when we go into these really really important um, things, and then we're just kind of still in the day. So I think it's okay to have, be in a daze for that first one. I know I would be. But yeah. that second time around, going back in, very prepared, um, look seeking if there is a, a patient navigation type of um, program within that health system or yeah. that provider and just seeing what options, what kind of support I have, you know, and then sometimes it's great if you're allowed. I know with, with the pandemic, it was hard having to go into these things alone. Mm. But if you are allowed to have somebody come in with you, making sure that they're obviously there to kind of ask some of those questions too. You know, and be uh, sometimes be an advocate for you. You know, we talked about some of our family members who are not great at it. Well, that might be the time where where we need to step in and kind of be that point person. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I want to keep going here, Ray, with again, kind of along the lines of this emotional raw reaction that I can only imagine is certainly natural. Like you're saying, you hear it, you go fuzzy, you blur kind of everything out. Um, Continuing along those lines. I think a big thing here is obviously fear, right? Fear for your health, clearly. Um, but then, like, I guess, what are what are things that people are scared of, right? Is it is it sharing the news with family? How do I tell my family? Am I going to have the money to pay for these treatments, right? Again, I think health and in your own health is in the forefront there, but there is so much around this diagnosis. Can you just kind of talk about that? Yeah, I think it's different for you know everyone because it's 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 
you know, cancer affects everyone, whether yeah. you have a lot of money or you're not as well off, or if you're in Portland or you're in a rural part of the state, it's, um, it's, it does not play favorites. And, yeah. um, and so I think, I think a lot of people, yeah, they, they fear that they're letting their families down or something they did wrong. I mean, shoot, we talked about lung cancer earlier. I can't tell you how many times somebody said, you know, that family member, I had lung cancer, but I didn't smoke. It's almost like I was going to judge them yeah. because they have like, yeah. why is that even something that somebody has to say? Because it doesn't matter. Mm. What we're talking about is how can we make sure that you're around and, and you're here and, and you're healthy? It doesn't matter what at that moment, at least in my mind, what yeah. got you here, yeah. you know, because I'm very careful because there's a statistic we love to say, everyone loves to say is that 50 percent of cancers um, can be prevented by healthy lifestyle choices. That's a big number, but mm -hmm. also 50% can't. Right. And so, or, or, you know, we all know that person who is the marathon runner who never smoked in their day in their life and had lung cancer or, um, and so it doesn't take long to come up with those examples pretty quickly. So it should be less about that and less about, and more about um, making sure that people feel comforted and knowing that there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days um, and allowing yourself, you know, that, and, and you're not letting anyone down. And, and I think, you know, when you talk to parents, especially with young kids, I think that's, they don't even think at first about their health. They just sure. immediately look at their kids. And I understand that, but at the same time, you want to be there for them. And the best way to be there for them is, is to, to get the best outcome possible. Sure. And so, so yeah, there's, it's a big, emo it's, there's an emotional side of it. And that's why, honestly, I don't usually talk about my connections to cancer when I talk to people or give presentations, because I bet you we could just turn this podcast around and both of you can go into great detail about how cancer mm -hmm. has affected your family. Sure. So I listen. Um, and I think sometimes that's the best thing we could do for folks is just be there, um, be a good listener, know that I'm not a doctor and I'm not going to solve their cancer, but I can listen to what they have going on provide some possible feedback, be an advocate at times. Um, and that's the best we And that's where Mainers really do step up. You know, mm -hmm. we talked about earlier uh, about how we do sometimes get a little left down on the bottom of some lists and that's okay. But where we do step up and I know you've seen it in your communities. I've seen it in mine. I've seen it around the state, the way we rally around each other, the way communities support one another, the way we come out for each other. I mean, these transportation programs, many of them we work with are volunteer drivers. You know, and they're not just driving. Let's be honest. You know, they're grabbing them a snack or food on the way to this. That's what people from Maine do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never just a little, it's a lot. And, um, and that's what, I mean, that's why I fall in love with them every time I go into a different community. Cause that's, these are the stories that I hear, the things that I see. And honestly, fundraising is hard. And, but I tell you, I come back so motivated every time I spend time talking with folks because it just means that we get a chance to help them. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, some of these trips, sometimes when you're around the state, hearing these stories, they're, they're tough, yeah. but all it does is, uh, all it does is come back and, and motivate us to do more. Uh, Cause I always say the more we raise, the more we can do, you know, here, here in the state. And, uh, but unfortunately, you know, we hear these stories and, and it's not just, you know, you think of somebody older yet it's, it's the person I was just talking to the other day was younger than me, you know, dealing mm -hmm. with breast cancer. And so it's just, it's the, it's the things that we're dealing with. Yeah. So, so Ray, I want to kind of, again, we kind of go through the kind of day one, week one, and you kind of made the point about being an advocate, right? Is that's a really important thing here, especially around uh, a treatment plan, right? Because, you know, I, I know from assisting my grandparents and other family members with their health care, it's important to go into our doctor's office more prepared, right? Especially mm -hmm. as we age, I think that's even more important. So again, this is a retirement podcast. And if you're 60, you might be able to navigate a lot of things yourself. If you're 90, that might be a lot more difficult to do. So, all right. So, Ray, let's let's fast forward here a little bit, right? So I know you're just kind of covering that emotional reaction that we were getting from that initial diagnosis. And now we're talking to our doctors about a treatment plan. And I know from assisting my grandparents and other family members with their health care, it's important to go into our doctor's office more prepared. But even if, you know, if I'm 60, I might be able to do something myself, but 90, that may, might be a lot more difficult to do. But even the person I bring with me, 
might not be the medical expert uh, in our family or know these things, right? So what are some of the ways that we can get more out of these meetings with our doctors, right? And also figure out the what the right questions are to ask, because maybe I don't even know what to ask, or my family members don't even know what to ask, because we're just, maybe it's a blur. We're just along for the ride, and we just don't know what to do. So how would you guide somebody like this here? I mean, I think one of the things is kind of just stopping and looking around um, and seeing, you know, I think, again, we're one in three of us. I mean, let's look at this call right here. Mm. You know, odds are statistically one of us will be diagnosed in our lifetime. Unfortunately, that's what we're looking at. And so it's it's also looking at your peers. It's looking at people. And there's some great organizations across the state, different cancer resource centers, whether it's you know, Bessie Wright down in Ellsworth that provides a lot of services to Washington County, Hancock County. You're talking about the Dempsey Centers here in Southern Maine, but also in Lewis and Auburn region. And you can go on and on West, you know, Cancer Center for Western, Western Maine. Like there's just a number of great centers across the state where you can call and ask a lot of questions and, and be referred to different folks, whether support groups or people going through things that, you know, who have this isn't their first rodeo um and so that's where i would normally where i send folks is Mm -hmm. um those resource centers are are just fantastic and they're community-based and they just they know they've unfortunately been through a lot of this and so and then also again looking around your own kind of community i'm not saying that you listen to uncle joe that you have who just tells you everything and this is how he did it and this is you know what you should do and that's the only way to go it's just kind of collecting that information um and then making uh you know the best decisions for you but when you talk about age yeah i mean that a big part of that is is tricky we put a lot of especially as we get older we we seem to turn a lot of that trust back to the you know to the, the the provider and uh and i think it's okay to maybe not say you disagree or ask for what other options that you have and it's not rude and it's not mean it's just i always say well you know this is new for me just uh, what does this mean i'm sorry but like i don't really mean to be rude and i'm just talking about myself you know i think it's just i think it's okay and and here in maine sometimes people receive treatment at multiple different places so yeah. it could be quite tricky and that's where i kind of we that's why we've invested so much around patient navigation because it just feels like it gives you more of a point person sometimes in your plan and not everyone provides that but i think everyone knows the value of it um and so we're looking at you know at Maine cancer foundation how do we grow this because we've mm-hmm. seen some great i mean i was on a call about a month ago with an advisory group and you had major health systems in the state, you had insurance providers, you had all different people from the state of Maine, different and at the, you know, Maine CDC and cancer registry and all these different folks in the room. And I kept hearing patient navigation over and over and over and over again. So I, I circled it, I started, I underlined it. And I was like, okay, it's pretty clear that this is working. This is great. Um, you know, so what does that mean for us? How do we maybe expand on this um, to make sure that people, um, have this because if you talk to somebody who's say in their 60s or 70s and i know some that they hear about a patient and they say gosh i wish i had somebody like that yeah. for during during my care yeah. but then that's not always the case and we just had a phone call this week of a woman in her 90s who was dealing with colon cancer but living with her daughter and they have a plan in place and the doctors feel great about it and she's going to go in for an operation even though she's in her 90s and things look good and she's doing a wonderful fundraiser for us too, which is just mm. just just incredible to even think about us in that way while going through all this. Yeah. And so, but that's where they want to channel their energy. So yeah, it's 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 tricky. There's no um, there's no perfect answer to it. I think it's just it's having conversations. You know, Google gets you only so far, and sometimes yeah. it does more damage than good. But you know, sometimes it's also listening to just one person is sometimes just as bad. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just important to kind of have these conversations with people in your life, specialists, community centers, just don't be afraid to, to call. I mean, you can call Maine Cancer Foundation if we don't have the answers. Normally, we can point you in the right direction to a partner who might. And that's yeah. where we don't. And it's important that is that, you know, we don't pretend to know everything. And so I'm not a doctor. And so I just make sure that I can connect them with the right people. Mm. No, that's incredible. So 
as Mainers ourselves here, and I know we outed you in the beginning for not being from Maine, but I think <laughs> I don't want to speak You're for I don't want to speak for oh he spoke for me there. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. we, I was going to say we'll yeah. accept you in. I think the amazing work that you're doing in the state of Maine, I think everyone in the state would welcome you in with open arms. So the three of us now sitting here as Mainers, so we know we're all pretty good and eager, uh, very good and eager to offer help, right, to our family, our friends, communities in need, right? We've talked about it kind of throughout this whole show is how much we like enjoy, I don't know if we enjoy the cause, but we enjoy or enjoy the reason, but we enjoy rallying for our for those in need. I think we all can also agree that we're pretty bad about asking for help for ourselves or accepting support from those family, friends, or communities ourselves. Do you find that that mentality changes with a cancer diagnosis? Uh, not much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I've learned I've learned this in funny different you know ways sometimes is that, you know, I might be in a community that's 20 minutes from another one. And I mentioned, hey, you know, I was just there yesterday. And people are like, don't don't mention that town here. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> like, it's 20 minutes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just don't don't mention. It. I'm not going to out anyone. But I'm just like. Okay. Yeah, all right. Got it. You know? And again, I, and it's just, you know, it's kind of funny. That's how we are. And my wife's from, again, from Madawaska. Mm. She's a Mainer, but now she's downstate. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. She grew up there. Yeah. It's now she's downstate. And so, which I think is, which is kind of interesting, but I get it. And, and so, so yeah, I think we take care of each other, you know, and we always use the analogy of the, everyone does, you know, you're on the airplane, they tell you, put your mask on for you to help anyone else. And we've beat that, beaten that one over, you know, over and over again. Yeah. But it is just so true. We want to help other people, but how, you can't help them if you're not around, if you're not, yeah. you're not your complete self. Yeah. And so, you know, I know it's a overused analogy, but it really is. If you can't be there, if you're not going to be around, then, yep. you know, so that's why you just, you can't push it off. You can't just, um, you know, we know our bodies and sometimes it, we, we do get signs, not all the time. Yep. And we, when the, when the check engine line is on, yep. um, and we ignore it and we just can't and, yep. and you can't, and you got to get in there. And it's easier said than done for me who happens to be in Portland. And we talked about, I can make an appointment, cancel it three times and still show up in a week. That might not be the same for other people, for sure. And But it's also making sure that we're reading the signs. And odds are, I learned as a young police officer from an older police officer, when the hair is standing up on the back of your neck, nine out of ten times, something's about to happen, your body's telling you so. Yeah. Once in a while, it's not. And so you got to trust yourself. And so, because we don't always get those signs. We don't always get them. But when we do, we got to seize that and... and and like, you know, Ben said, you know, you got that peace of mind when you went, even if they didn't find a pulp that time, you, you did the right thing. Yeah. You know, you yeah. look at your family history, went in, you did, that's peace of mind. And that's, yeah. that's a good, that's a good feeling. Yeah. Um, and so I think just, it's, it's just a really, really important for, for people to, you know, I know, and I've had these conversations too, of being like, oh, I want to wait till the next year, you know, my insurance or this or that. But if your body's telling you something, you got to listen. Because sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, we all heard the stories. A lot of times we don't get those signs. And, and so if we're lucky enough, I guess, to get a warning, um, it's important to take care of ourselves. It's easier said than done. You know, yeah. I just made my first dermatology appointment for the first time in my life about a month ago. So proud of myself. I feel like I was like, you know, I just got my oil changed. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a responsible. New man. But, right. but I'm like, here I am telling everyone, you know, about, you know, we invest so much around sun safety here in the state of Maine, you yeah. know, because we do a great job as Mainers to get outside, but we do a not so great job, especially in the fall and such to put sunscreen on. And, uh, and, you know, so it's like, great, we're outside being active better than most places across, you know, most states across the country It's yeah. incredible, you know, outdoor recreation rates and whatnot. But then our melanoma rates shoot up as well. Sure. So it's just, so I went in and I made an appointment and I knew that there was a backlog at different places. So I checked with my insurance and I found a new place and that's where I was, I thought pretty savvy. I was like, I'm going to squeeze right in here. And I did because yeah. I, I didn't want to wait eight months, nine months from what yeah. I was hearing. Yeah. And so again, so sometimes you got to be a little bit of savvy about it, um, unfortunately, and, and be your own advocate. But, um, you know, it's just really important. We stay on top of these things. 
So Ray, thanks for thanks for that answer because I think it's really important to can understand kind of where we are in uh, with cancer in the state of Maine and how it's kind of impacting us personally. And when we chatted a few weeks back, you know, you said, you know, I, I wrote down this quote, you said, when bad things happen, our human nature is that we need to channel to something good. And I, I really enjoyed that statement. And we mentioned this about Susan Ware Page and her family doing something good for others in the community in Maine that are impacted by cancer after losing her mom. So my question to you is, so what are some good things, could be small, could be big, that our audience can do to help kick cancer in the butt? Yeah, and I think, and this goes to show you, I took a phone call last year from somebody here in Maine, young woman who was just diagnosed with breast cancer. I think she might have like called me after her appointment. So you talk about in like in a daze and and was like, I need to do something. Like mm-hmm. I need to get back. I need to, and the first thing I told her was, well, first you need to take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, that's the most important thing at this very moment, but that just kind of goes to show you people in Maine, they just want to just, they want to channel that energy in that moment. She needed to save her energy and focus on herself. But afterwards she ended up being an incredible participant in our our event, which is try for a cure an all women's triathlon here in Maine that raises a lot of money for our organization. Um, and, and it's just, it's it's significant for, for our granting. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think it's, I think it's just a great thing. It's just human nature. We want to, we want to have legacies. We want to give back. We want to be, we want to be, have a, an impact that's bigger than ourselves. And that's a really good thing. And I know I'm, I'm hoping to teach that to both of my girls as well. And and, and so, um, and other people react to it. And I've seen fundraisers that are just, we have, we have a fundraiser um, in Casco Bay in, in uh, August that's literally a pontoon. It's a bunch of boats and, and that, that, um, that uh, they call it a flotilla. I'm not a big in the boating world, but I did show up to it this year on, right. on a pontoon. <laughs> on a pontoon. Um, and it's a flotilla and all the boats uh, line up together and two lobster boats backed up to each other. And the Don Campbell band played on the back of it for hours to people on Casco Bay, and they raised over $50,000 for our organization. Wow. Why do they do that? Well, Don's mom had been diagnosed with cancer the year before and was dealing with the battle, and he wanted to take music, which we all know could do a lot of good for us, mm. and turn it into even more good. And so you think of the impact on something like that. You think of you know, whether it's just kids having a lemonade stand who just want to give back to their community. And I think what's special, and not to just keep tooting the horn of Maine Cancer Foundation, is that I've talked with you guys. I know you. we don't have favorite places in Maine. We kind of love the whole state. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like what you're in the mood for. Like I, so mm-hmm. when I go hiking, I was just hiking in Grafton Knots last Friday night, and I just happened to be in the mood for the Bethel area. And, you know, just because it's so darn beautiful. And so it's what's special about Maine Cancer Foundation is that you might reside in one area of the state. You might want to school in a different area of the state. You might recreate somewhere else and you might have family in a different part. So when you look at partners, you know, why not work with one that makes the investments in all those places? Mm -hmm. But I also want to say, don't be shy with also looking at your own community. Because sometimes people ask us, well, what about that local cancer resource center in my community? Should I work with them? Should I donate for them? Should I raise money for them? Absolutely. And we're going to do the same. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you also want to extend those dollars and talk about investing them into across the state into multiple communities, that's where we come into play. But that doesn't should never take away. Please, I hope that message gets across that does not ever take away you know, working within your own community. Mm-hmm. You know, we just look at the bigger picture at times in the whole state. And, uh, you know, so I'm very careful when I give that message, when I do go into communities to make sure people don't look look like we're trying to swoop in in any way. Yeah. We're partners and the whole point is to elevate us all. Um, and Maine Cancer Foundation exists to, to reduce the impact of cancer in Maine. And the only way we do that is with supporters and partners. Um, and so uh, it's important that we work with, you know, work with everyone. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see what people come up with. I was, you know, collecting cans a couple of weeks ago to being a flotilla to an all women's triathlon to, you know, it's like a, there was a, a, a indoor cycling place here recently that just did a 12 hour mm-hmm. uh, cycling event. You know, people come up with creative and fun ways. Um, and I think I want to just end with that is that cancer is really tough and, mm-hmm. it, and it is hard on all of us. So if you are going to channel that energy, if you are going to raise some dollars to, to make an impact, 
it's okay to have fun doing it um, mm-hmm. because this is hard enough. It's okay to smile. It's okay to have a good time. It's okay. The Maritime Energy event is just wonderful to see everyone year after year at that event. And guess what? Before you know it, you turn around and it's raised over $150,000 for our organization and just mm-hmm. over just under a dozen years. Yeah. So you could have fun and have an incredible impact in your community across the state um, in no time. No, that's, that's fantastic. And um, we do have one kind of final question for you, Ray. Um, obviously, we're here on the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. So we love to ask all of our guests, how are you going to find your retirement success when you get there? How am I going to find, you know, I, I thought about that question long and hard. It's probably the least one I was prepared for, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Probably much like my career, uh, you know, it's kind of gone in different directions at times. I think that's something I've tried to be as safe with as possible mm. uh, and slow and steady over time. I think for me is what I've learned, especially in the last couple of years, is that it's very important to have a rainy day fund because the world can change in a blink of an eye. Um, you can hear you got cancer one minute or we could all be in our homes for three months. And, and it's important to be prepared, yeah. but at the same time, um, having a plan and working towards it. And so I'm a planner, just like I planned out most of my camping trips for our family already for next year. So I think it's important to have a plan in place and, and it's important to have these conversations year after year with the folks who know more than you, um, <laughs> and, and hear what they have to say. Um, and if your dream is to go to Florida, then great. I don't want to, I want people to know that I'm okay with that. Um, but I, my hope is to retirement would be is that we have a family camp in Allagash and, uh, awesome. is that the goal is to spend a lot more time up there, um, in that part of my, and when I get to that part of my life. It's awesome. Love it. Well, Ray, thank you so much for coming on our show again. Really great to get to know you, your new role, yeah. uh, but also, Maine Cancer Foundation, how you're battling uh, cancer rates in the state of Maine, how you're helping to improve outcomes and in, in the lives and that are you're touching. Um, again, I know we kind of covered a lot, and I think we could have probably covered another eight hours of things here, <laughs> but but I, I think it was a really great entree for our uh, listeners to really dig into kind of kind of this topic. How do we make it? How is it personally impacting us, but also in the state? So thank you for coming on, and I'd love to maybe at some point in the in the future have you come on again and just give an update on where things are because it's so great to get your message out there and and also where where are things happening as times are changing is it keep people informed so appreciate that and thank you guys i know um it's 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 a challenging time for everyone and what you the services that you provide a lot of folks and the comforts that you you're able to provide is a huge deal so uh, i know you deliver a service in a different way but it is extremely important and and um you know, I just thank you for chasing me out of the ballroom um, to, to continue this conversation. Um, and I hope that uh, that I welcome to bother you guys the next time I'm in town, which hopefully will be uh, here soon. Love it. Ray, awesome. when you're in town, give us a cool. give us a call. We'd yeah. love to catch up. But until Great. then, we'll we'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys. So newly minted Ray Ruby, <laughs> executive director of the Maine Can- Cancer Foundation. Right. Um, really excited to have him on. Again, when we asked him, uh, we didn't know, obviously know that that was his role going to be developing yeah. or even when we had a kind of little pre-chat with him, we didn't know that. That's so right. really cool to, you know, obviously you could, you could just see it when you meet him is he, uh, he is very mission driven and um, lives, lives um, a very authentic life in terms of helping helping families in Maine. So again, I I know we like to take a little highlighter to things that we learned or we liked about today's show. Uh, Curtis, what was something that you took away from our conversation with Ray today? Yeah, you know, I think uh, this may sound like an easy answer, but I think the whole show, honestly, um, you know, I think Ray did a great job uh, going through the Maine Cancer Foundation and the incredible work that they do. um, And then kind of honing in on the individual stuff, right? Put yourself first, advocate for ourselves, right? I know, we all know how how willing we are to help out others, especially in Maine. Um, but at the end of the day, as Ray said, you know, you can't help if you're not here. So, you know, doing the work yourself, checking on yourself, pushing those who may not want to get checked in your family. So really just the whole, you know, creating that plan, if you will, and, and, and really preparing yourself and, and kind of doing the work. And, and then the, he touched on other resources. I know we talked about the, the patient navigators a little bit, Ben, and mm-hmm. it's just incredible. The, the support groups and the help that's available to people. Um, I think he did a great job kind of from start to finish for us. Mm, yeah, I, I agree. And and I, I think one thing that um, we'll actually put in our show notes, 
um, was the he he mentioned this Maine Cancer Foundation did a financial toxicity study. Yeah. So again, like what what are they, what are we talking about? So interesting was this whole hey when it comes to finances and when it comes to financial burden that mm-hmm. tends to create a, maybe a little bit of a a negative atmosphere for us to go seek help yeah. or to to talk about things because of fear of cost or what the costs are to even travel to get a hotel room to fly somewhere you know or I'm out of work and I got to you know take care of myself for a period of time so money's a big deal here you know we're financial advisors right yeah. so uh, as interested to read that so if you're interested as well we'll share that as part of our show notes today um you can go to blog.guidancepointllc.com backslash 76 because we're episode 76 and you can kind of check out obviously our transcript um kind of the links there link to the main cancer foundation will be there as well and 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 also want to throw it to you guys too um if you have suggestions for future topics or things that you'd like to see let us know or even feedback if you're getting value from the conversations we're having love to hear from that too um feel free to drop us a line um and you can go to our uh guidancepointlc.com and you can look at the our team and you can kind of uh, reach out and drop us a line there too yeah so thanks for tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate uh, you guys staying with us through episode 76. Um, always a pleasure. We got some really great episodes coming up. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sports gambling and addiction to sports gambling. Because I know retirees, we get a little more time, a little more money. And it might be something mm-hmm. that could be a concern. That's one thing we're talking about. Um, we're also going to talk to is, uh, a couple in, in the southern part of the state, the main foodies. Yeah. Very popular uh, social media presence and the, the couple that goes out documents their food. So we're going to talk a little bit about best of food here. So again, a few things we're really excited about here coming up. Take a, a look at it and hit that subscribe button on the uh, on your favorite po- uh, podcast uh, uh, player and catch you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisors' mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.